Hey, everybody. I need to get back into my back-to-tank. Oh, this is awkward. He used to work for me. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, a podcast that explores Star Wars universe through a deep dive through movies, TV shows, animated series, comics, all those things. And today, the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I am excited. Mike, You, how stoked are you to be talking about Star Wars now? I am very stoked to be talking about Star Wars now. Yes, it's going to be a while. I, I'm going to. I'm probably going to say Star Trek a bunch of times because if you yeah. don't know, we've been we just finished up our limited series on Star Trek. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, we had a little bit of technical difficulty with the last episode, which is unfortunate. But stay tuned for an update in another episode about that. Um, before we get started, though, I just have to tell you how my morning started. Okay. You know, I, I record in my garage, which I think, you know, um, it's a bit chilly over here. So I got a blanket. I wrapped it around my shoulders, pretended it was a cape like Darth Vader, you know, the usual. Um, I also made myself a cup of coffee to come into the garage. It was all cozy, ready to Uh go for recording. And as I walked in the garage, I closed the door on my cape and walked forward and then spilled my coffee all over myself. Yeah. My life is like a cartoon. Uh, You know what I felt? I felt like Rick Moranis in Spaceballs. That's what I felt like. Yeah, that's fair. So that's where I'm at right now. But I am excited to start chatting Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Are you ready to jump into this, Mike? Let's do it. Let's chat. Cool. So this episode, Chapter 1, Stranger in a Strange Land, it's the premiere episode of the television series Book of Boba Fett. I am really interested to see what you thought about this. I have thought it was a very interesting premiere. So why don't you start, Mike? How did you like the first episode of Book of Boba Fett? I I don't know that I'm going to give like a a high level, like here's how I felt like right, like right now, I think I actually need to talk it out a little bit. It was, it was, you know, it's, I I think going back to our, our, our first episode about like our our Mm pre-episode maybe is a good place to start to some degree of like, what were our hopes and expectations and how are those met or skirted or, you know, what popped out? Because I think one of to answer that question, one of my worries going into this is it was just going to be a lot of, I mean, it's, it's, it's the worry with probably everything in star Wars yeah, or pop culture these days is that it's just going to be nostalgia and fanfare and nothing new is going to happen. It's just going to be a lot of retreading because that happens a lot in pop culture and it happens a lot in star Wars. And I, I think like addressing that main concern, I think they did a pretty decent job writing the line of of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, there were points, there were tipping points for me at, that where it went left and right. But overall, I thought they did a good job um, not being like a total fanfare show, and you know. Um, I will get my one big complaint out of the way up top is like, I I don't know that we needed to see the Sarlacc thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, did we need to see that? Like, I, I yeah. Do, do, do casual fans and the more kind of, I don't know, serious fans even care? Can't we all just go like, yeah, he probably just got out of the Sarlacc pit somehow. 
I don't know. But I do like where it leads, which is, you know, the Tuscan Raider stuff. But I don't know. That's that's kind of my high level. Um, I don't know. What's what's your big takeaways? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is hard to say just a flat out was it good or was it bad? Um, I think it this takes a little bit of time to digest, I think. Yeah. Like a oh, nice. nice. Yep. Um I will say that I liked it. I actually liked it quite a bit. Yeah. So I will say I did think it was good. To your criticism, um, what I will say about that is I felt kind of the same way, less so about like did we need to see it, more so about it, it was just kind of anticlimactic. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Especially for fans, because this was a thing. Like, like I saw <laughs> headlines that was years. like, it was like, we're finally going to see how he gets out of the Sarlacc pit. And it's like, oh, he just like punched crawls, a wall and then like out. crawled out. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's not very dramatic. Yeah. What I did like about it is the structure of how they did it, because I think it makes more sense from a story standpoint. And I think this will go to my overall thoughts is that I did not expect this structure. It honestly felt a lot more like an indie movie to me than a Star Wars thing. And I think that's really cool. I think one of our things we were worried about is exactly what you said, the nostalgia. It's just going to feel like the Mandalorian, a retread of that. And the fact that, I don't know, the first 10, 15 minutes are all done in flashbacks while he's healing from a back to in the back to tank. And then we get those flat, the majority of the episode going back and forth from the flashbacks is kind of a really interesting structure. And the thing that I super appreciate is they didn't explain it, which I thought was very cool. We talk a lot about show, don't tell. That's what I think a good movie, a good story does is they don't, there's never the exposition dump where there's someone sitting there with the plot going, Oh, I remember the day Boba Fett crawled out of the Sarlacc. He did this and this and this. And here's the power structure that is oppressing him. And I wonder if he's going to... Like, it's there's never anyone talking about what's going on. There's yeah. actually very few words spoken in this entire no, show. No, none. It feels like some... It's I very, mean, there, there are some. But. Yeah, totally. It's very slow. It's very quiet. And at first, I was a little nervous. I was watching it with my wife and my brother-in-law, who are not big Star Wars fans. And I was like, oh, are they even going to like necessarily know what's going on? Like, Do they remember the end of Return of the Jedi? And neither of them were thrown off by that. They actually that's, thought that was a really cool thing, and I think I really appreciated that. That's funny. I, I watched it with my wife, and I did this thing where three minutes in, like, you know, after he basically, the second he crawls out of the Sarlacc pit, yeah. I hit pause on the TV. And our little one sleeping next to us, so I don't say anything. I'm just pointing at the TV. I I go to Return of the Jedi and go to the scene where he gets knocked into Jabba's sail barge and then falls yeah. into the Sarlacc pit. And I was like, okay, that that was the moment. <laughs> and I, and what was funny, I was like, that was in 1983. Mm-hmm. And here's how he gets out. And it was really funny to kind of jump and do that. Because they're both really anticlimactic. The yeah. Boba Fett's death is boring, and Boba Fett getting out of the Sarlacc pit is boring. Uh, um, that's a good point. I like that. So it, it kind of works, but I, I to your point, I also I just I don't know. It didn't have any bearing on the show left or right, and it didn't. Uh, I don't know. It it was it was fine. It, it, I'm not gonna be like my boring self again. Like yeah, that that part was fine. Yeah. Um, 
but before we go too far, because there, God, I feel like you almost need to take this beat by beat. There's so many little yeah. Easter eggs. But um, did you notice that Fennec Shan's helmet was in the intro crawl? Like I the, did notice that, and I think that's fun. I'm guessing just for this, right? I'd just assume so. Because um, they put her next to some pretty big characters, so I'm guessing it's... Yeah. I mean, Legos does their own thing, so maybe each show gets to do their own thing. Yeah, I'd be curious to see, because I don't remember this off the top of my head, for someone like The Mandalorian, for example, do those characters ever change, or is it always kind of the same five? Um, it's, it's always the same ones, but they were okay. different than those. Yeah, I bet you that they added it just for Book of Boba Fett, which I thought that was a cool little touch. Yeah, so that was interesting. And then right away when we get we start the show off almost with these flashbacks right away. It's like Yeah. It's like Boba in a back to tank in what room of Jabba's palace? Because it looks so bright. It feels like he's on Camino. <laughs> yeah. Or not Camino, but it feels like the flat there's a flashback on Camino. But it feels like he's in Cloud City almost because I'm like totally. what room is this? This is Jabba's palace. Yeah. Did they clean totally. up? Yeah, I think it's some I mean you said a lot of interesting things, but one thing that I'm curious about, and I wonder what other people's ex, um, experience was, is I had the same, the same feeling of wanting to explain things to my wife and brother-in-law. And I think that comes from an anxiety of just like, oh, I love this thing. I, I don't want them to think it's dumb. Um, at least for me personally, I'll say. Yeah. And um, I resisted that urge. And I wonder if it connects with people who don't, because it might be one of those things that depending on where they're going with the story, and I think this is coloring it in a in a much different way than I expected, I think they're setting up Boba Fett to be weaker than he is, or that we yeah. thought he would be. Yeah. You know, him being in the back to tank, him getting beat up and then being like, get me back to my back to tank. Like that was kind of shocking to me. And so I, you know, for the fans, they see the Sarlacc pit and they're like, oh, this is the thing I've been waiting 20 years for or whatever, 30 years for to see what happened. Um, but for people who were just like my wife or brother-in-law, it's just like, Oh, like it looks like he was like in somewhere that sucked and he got out of it and then got captured. And like that probably is contributing to how kind of weak and traumatic his later life was. And so I, I feel like it works on both levels. And again, I love that they didn't have to explain it. There was never a time where he sat down with Fennec and was like, that time I crawled out of the Sarlacc pit was the worst part of lowest point of my life or like some monologue about that. I thought that was an interesting way to approach this in a cool way. And yeah, I haven't seen any other reviews of anything, so I don't know what other people are saying, but it worked for me a lot and I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. And I think they're intentionally trying to make him appear weak. And I think that's going to be the route they take is like, because, okay, Based on screen evidence, Boba Fett, Boba Fett isn't a badass. Like mm -hmm. if you just look at totally, the, if you look at you know the source materials and you know there's other canon out there, but he's not like this wildly like you know he's not doing parkour with Fennec Shan. Like she's she's <laughs> she's doing yeah. that, and so I think they're intentionally setting him up to be a little bit more of like a a thoughtful character. Um, mm -hmm with the way he approaches problems. And again, it goes back to this thing of it's respect, not um, fear. Yeah. And that really is how he's ruling um, or trying to rule. And I, 
it's it's it yeah it's it's interesting and I, I think it's gonna work really well but I think it's gonna disappoint some like bros because they're gonna be like <laughs> no no Boba Fett's a badass he does blah 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 but I don't think he is and I think he's an aged clone <laughs> who is <laughs> yeah. you know he was enhanced to some degree but um I I don't know he's it's it's a different approach and I think I appreciate it. Yeah, you brought up the bros, and I think that that goes to something that maybe when we were talking in our pre-chat, I was alluding to, but maybe my thoughts hadn't coalesced completely of why I'm not a big fan of Boba Fett. You mentioned the first thing. His whole arc is anticlimactic, literally until he does some cool stuff in The Mandalorian. He is a very lame character. He's super annoying in Clone Wars. Super annoying in Clone Wars. Doesn't do anything other than get killed by accident, like you said, in in the movie. Such a boring death. Got killed by someone turning around fast. Totally. Exactly. And so, but he has this cultural zeitgeist, especially amongst a certain type of people. And I, I, the thing that clicked with me is that he's kind of the Star Wars version of the Punisher, where... The Punisher from Marvel Comics has some cool and interesting and tragic things in his backstory, but what he's most known for is having a cool skull logo and shooting lots of guns and killing a lot of people. And, you know, it's very common to see a lot of problematic people with their black giant pickup trucks with the Punisher logo next to the Boba Fett logo. Yep. 100%. And that's something that rubs me really the wrong way. And so I think I was curious, are they going to do something different and more thoughtful with that? You know, I want to rule by respect, not fear. And part of me is now questioning, is that decision from a place of he understands his weakness? You know, he's doing things different than other crime lords because he knows that he's not as badass as he used to be. Yeah. So he needs to earn the respect of the people he's trying to rule in an interesting way versus, you know, just him. He could fly up to the mayor, whoever the mayor is, and just like blow that dude up or something mm-hmm. like that. But maybe he's not as sure of his abilities as he used to be. And I think that's a very interesting question. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if it's that he's, yeah, it's, who knows? I, I wonder more if it's less that he's not sure of his abilities, but rather that he's, so confident in his abilities but knows that 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 only yields certain results is this boba fett just trying things a different way well that's the question that they're going to unpack and so i'm not sure of the answer of that i think they could go either way and both of them are interesting because i think this brings up we were we were hoping that this would be less you know john wick in space and it would be more godfather in space yeah and if you really think about it think of all of the great movie and TV gangsters or even real life gangsters that have come out, you know, Tony Soprano isn't on his face, a giant intimidating person, you know, uh, what's his name in the Godfather? Um, the Godfather from the Godfather, you know, he's just a (laughs) fat balding old dude. (laughs) Um, Marlon Brando's character. I don't know why I can't remember it. Um, you know, even in star Wars, like Jabba the Hutt is a fat slug who can barely move, but like yeah. everyone is scared of them. And so there's something about the way they think or operate 
that almost makes up for a lack of just raw strength and badassery. Yeah. And that's kind of what the empire stood up on. And so I think that's a more thoughtful thing than, you know, if he just like goes flamethrowers blazing and just kills anyone who's in his path. And so the question of, is he dealing with some sort of uncertainty or insecurity or is he just super confident and secure and knows that he can do that? That's a question that I'm asking and would like to know more about as the series goes on for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I, part of me wonders if the whole kind of trial of the Tuscan Raider, which is a great segment of, you know, him being taken from, you know, from capture to kind of rise is just really cool. And part of me wonders, is that one of the first experiences that Boba Fett has where he tried to be a badass, you know, kicks mm-hmm. him ass. He could have easily taken that little kid why he didn't, you know, yeah. that, it seems like some kind of turning point there, but what, what in him decided in that moment to help the Tuscan Raiders and try to earn their respect rather than make them fear him. Because yeah. I think that's the example they're setting is see, he's, he's, he's trying to help these people get them to respect him and his abilities and what he can do and provide, but not scare them into something, but rather through respect, mutual respect, try to like forge some path forward. Mm-hmm. That's a little more peaceful. So part of me wonders, is that the first time that we see Boba Fett ever do that? And is that what the showrunners are trying to say is, Hey, he's gone out of the, the Sarlacc pit. He's a little weaker because who who knows what was done to yeah. him in that Sarlacc pet pit? Like, was some kind of life force sucked out of him, or like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's it, that's potentially the changing moment um, there. Um, yeah, and and it goes back to that underlining idea. You know, like we keep talking about is it's about re- respect, not mm-hmm. fear. Absolutely, and I think the the Tuscan stuff is interesting. I'm glad we got to that. I think you know. There are many moments. He doesn't just spare the kid. He spares like the the dog. I think it's called the Massif or whatever too. You know, he could have easily killed that dog when he first chokes it and uses it to cut its bonds and he doesn't. Uh, yeah. um, and so I feel like we are kind of seeing a softer Boba Fett than maybe we're used to. You know, that's not the Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back where he had to be warned not to disintegrate people because we get the implication that he just loves disintegrating people. (laughs) And so I wonder if, whether this will be touched on in the series or not, if maybe the turning point was his quote-unquote death, was his, when he goes into the Sarlacc pit. Not only that, he kind of got defeated, but the way he got defeated, I wonder if Star Wars is going to kind of wrestle with the fact that he went out like a chump. Because I could see him, all the people on that barge are dead other than Luke and Leia and, you know, that crew. Who are they going to talk about Boba Fett with? So as far as anyone knows, Boba Fett just died. They don't know how he died. So in his darkest moments, is he sitting there thinking, man, I really went out because Han Solo was blind and accidentally poked me with a stick? Oh, maybe I'm not as badass as I thought. And it's making him kind of reconsider his worldview in an interesting way. Um, yeah. Mm. Just a theory. I mean, I'm, I literally just thought of it right now, but that even if that's not specifically brought up, I think we are seeing a softer, wiser, maybe Boba Fett, which is much more interesting than what I anticipated. Yeah. And yeah, this may be a nitpick, but I don't know if it, I don't, I don't think it's softer. I think it's just more thoughtful. Yeah. I think it's just with thoughts instead of actions, kind of like he's thinking before he slices into people. 
Yeah. And this is also, we talked about our fears in the, um, in the pre episode. And one of the things I was worried about is that star Wars was now just a surprise machine. You know, the Luke, the Luke thing at the end of Mandalorian was such a kind of big hit. What are they going to do to hook Twitter? You know, what's the thing that everyone's going to be talking about for the next week? And I was really interested that there wasn't, you know, a baby Yoda. There wasn't a big twist. And for some reason, when I saw how involved the Tusken Raiders were in this story, I was just weirdly concerned that they were going to take the Tusken Raiders masks off. Uh, That was just going to be the moment where it does nothing for the story. It's just, we're going to reveal this because then Twitter is going to blow up. mm -hmm. And, even if it wasn't that, I another thing that I appreciate, which some people might think is bad, is that there's restraint in this series in an interesting way, at least in the first episode. And so I thought that was definitely a fun touch as well. Yeah. I I I still don't know if I have high hopes, which is funny. Yeah. But I think this first episode went over well and I'm still like feeling cautiously optimistic about it. Like very excited to watch episode two and I I think it's going to take a whole, because what is this, eight episodes? I think seven. Okay. I think it's going to take all of them to really. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my conclusion as well. And I'm, I'm, I think we're tracking very similarly. And that's what I would say to anyone, because I actually had a friend that texted me last night that was pretty concerned and was like, yeah, I, don't know, I was kind of stressed about it a little bit. And um, I think this is a different type of story. This reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you've watched any of the recent HBO miniseries that are just, you know, they'll just do six episodes of some one story and then it's just done. Um, This is kind of what that feels like. It doesn't feel like the Mandalorian. It doesn't feel like they're setting up a new universe. It doesn't feel like they're introducing all these new characters. And so I agree with you completely that I think we won't really be able to judge whether or not it's a good series until it's over and it could go either way, which it's uneasy. I feel weird about it because star Wars, as I said in the, in our last episode, hasn't necessarily earned my trust yet with their storytelling. So it could go way off the rails and be really bad, but it could also go in some very cool ways. And I want to bring up, this is a little bit of a criticism, but it goes to what I'm saying is the one thing that kind of did irk me was the ending is it felt very open-ended and sudden. Not that I needed a twist, not that I needed a big surprise. It just, it felt much like Dune part one. If you saw that, which, you know, that ending within the whole context of the story won't bug me depending on how they pull off Dune part two. It's the same thing with fellowship of the rings. You know, that, at the end of Fellowship of the Rings, it wasn't really an ending. There wasn't really a, you know, there wasn't a closing to that story. It felt very awkward and weird. But then after you see the next two movies, it was great. It works perfectly. And I think that's a lot of what this series is going to be, is this didn't feel like an ending. It felt very weird and random. But maybe it'll all be great in retrospect. So I think that's a very cool thing to do, and I didn't expect that. Mm, Yeah, I'm the ending did come out of nowhere. didn't bother me because it's a show and I don't know that I need, you know, I, I, I think 
Mandalorian ended with the first episode ended with such like an OMG moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was half expecting it, and then when I didn't get it, I I actually was m- pleasantly surprised rather than off put. I kind of liked that ending, and what's funny is. I loved so Dune is <laughs> one of my favorite movies in the last ten years, and I think it yeah. is for you too. I know you I think love it's it. incredible, yeah. Um, but and I loved the ending, but I'm a big fan of endings that don't that don't need to be endings because the show kind of helps it. Like it, it's it's not up to the if it was the end of everything, then yeah, right on, tied up, but. In an episodic kind of adventure, not every episode needs to end with a cliffhanger. The show itself needs to do. If the show itself was good enough, then I'll watch the second one. And I think, I think we're starting to see more media move away from like every episode needs to end with a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And just like it seems like it's just a more thoughtful construction of the episode in its entirety that will bring you to the second episode. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I just want to, I want to reiterate, like, I don't need a big cliffhanger. I don't need a big surprise. I think, and I don't, I don't need the typical three act structure. I think it was just an observation that was interesting to me in a way that I felt weird at first. And I'm, I'm, I'm in wait and see mode. I think that's part of why I'm just like, I can't really say. And that's kind of why it feels like an indie movie, you know, something like, you know, 99% 99% of all other movies and TV, there's this three-act structure. And there's the episode starts with a problem, they try to fix the problem, and then at the end of the episode, there's some sort of conclusion to the problem. Um, yeah. The story might continue, but there's that structure and flow to almost every story you see. Whereas with indie movies, there's a lot more, you know, they just take their time. It's more about being in, you know, you see a very artsy movie like Place in the Pines, which I know is a movie that you love. You know, there isn't really a problem that's solved and it's it's an exploration of a person and it's being in a place and it's you know just living an experience more than it is a story from start to finish and so i don't think i was expecting that with this because that's much more what it feels like 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 there I, i don't think i could even say what the what the three acts were in this episode which is not a bad thing in any way it is though again a little bit you know, it's wait and see. Yeah. If they pull it off, it could be awesome. If they screw it up, it could be terrible. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. No, I'm with you. I, the whole that's what the entirety. Like we're saying, we're saying it over again. The entirety mm-hmm. of this feels wait and see. But um, if if we don't have any other big, I mean, we we've talked about some kind of the meatier subjects here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we get into like the little Easter eggs we saw and things we liked that kind of? Should we talk about the fanfare that worked? I guess yeah, because absolutely, um, it was there, um, and maybe it's time to assess that to some to some level. Yeah, I want I want to talk about Easter eggs. I want to talk about things that worked for us. I also want to just talk about a couple specific scenes that I thought was were very cool. I think you know, in terms of meaty action for me, the fight scene was whatever. I don't care about that. This yeah. tribute scene in the throne room, I thought was so cool oh, and fascinating. God. That, that mayor's, was, that mayor's, whoever that person was, you know, for the mayor was yeah. amazing. I have no idea who that actor is. He's, he sounds so familiar. I should have looked it up I, the entire time I was trying to think of it, but he did such a great job and they're, they're back and forth about the tribute. 
I just yeah. thought that was that that was some masterful storytelling. And yeah, again, really like good. there's show don't tell. There's never a point where Fennec turns to him and goes, "The mayor, oh, we may, might not mess with him. He controls the spice of blah 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 yeah. blah blah." And like this guy is his blah blah blah. It's like we don't need any of that. It's just yeah. being in this moment and having this dialogue was so effective. Yeah, it really was. It was a really good moment. Yeah. Um, and it makes me very interested in meeting the mayor because we know, know that seems like the the dark protagonist in the background. So, yep, exactly. I I do you have a theory of who it could be? Oh man, um, hopefully not Darth Maul. I Darth Maul is dead at this point, as far as I remember. Yes, um, you are I mean, right. but he's been dead before. Um, I do not think it is Darth Maul. I do think it is related to Darth Maul. You think it's something Crimson Dawn? I think. I wonder if it's going to be Kira. Yeah. Well, so getting to the Easter eggs, one of the things we heard uh, was, and this one I had to look up. We heard the what is it? The um, the intro to Boba Fett is either the same or similar to the Crimson Dawn theme when Boba, when uh, Darth Maul appears at the end of Solo. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think that, 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 I mean, I've heard some bubbling of, will we see her in this series? Um, and I think watching that. this, it makes a lot more sense. I think the, um, that was also the first thing that kind of came to mind when I saw those assassins, you know, the, the major domo leaves saying, Oh, and don't, don't be surprised to see another delegation, which I took as a threat, obviously. And so all of a sudden we see these assassins with their red shields. And the first thing that comes to my head is like, Oh, Crimson Dawn. Um, Yeah. So I would not be surprised if that's where the story goes. Yeah. Um, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if it's done well, it it could work. Totally. And I, I, I think you and I probably both agree that Solo is better than maybe people will yeah. give it credit for. And I think I'm interested in in the continuation of that story, whether it yeah. involves Han Solo or not. I did think the Kira stuff was super fascinating, and you know they do say very specific. I think if I remember correctly, Maul tells her to come to Tatooine, so yeah, she's around assuming she's alive. And so I would not be surprised if she takes on the role of the mayor. Yeah. And it would feel not out of the blue and appropriate to me. It would work. Totally. And it's not a big enough of a reveal to be too shocking because she's not that, you know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. pivotal of a character. Yeah, totally. Um, Were there other scenes or Easter eggs that jumped out at you? Oh gosh. Well, we got Max Rebo. Yeah, that's Uh, fun. Which our uh, our buddy is it Mike Palladino who emailed us? Uh, oh I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe he led his email subject line was "But Max Rebo." <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll read that at the end. I actually made sure not to look at it because I was afraid there might be spoilers. But um, okay. yeah, I was I did see that subject and I got got preemptively kind of stoked. I like his radical space guitar too. Yeah, I know. So we got that. That's a funny streak. Um, there were some droids who, I don't know, were from things that I didn't care about. Um, what Rex, that Rex droid um, in the bar. 
Um, gosh, what else? What else did we see? Um, yeah. One of the funny ones during kind of the tributes, one of the um, someone brings Boba Fett a uh, a Trandoshan. The Trandoshan is there. Yeah. Brings Boba Fett a Wookiee pelt. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and I uh, knew, and I knew that you know Trandoshans hunt Wookies. Uh, yeah. So I first thing that came to my mind was, oh my god, is that a Wookiee pelt? Looked it yeah. up, and it was. That was totally that. That's a good little. That's a good little synergy too of it being something that the fans, the hardcore fans, know that they hunt that. Yeah. And in other words, like it doesn't really matter. I thought that was well done. Yeah. Um, another little, just going back to the cantina. Another little thing that I enjoyed is I really like that there was a sexy male tra- uh, uh, Twi'lek like slave person. You uh, know, yeah. Not that I like that there's sexy slave people at all, but I do like. You know, we've only seen women put in that position, but it's kind of notable that the boss of this bar is a powerful woman. And, you know, when they come, they're like, let us shine your, your helmets. You know, it's not just a woman in that position. There's also, you know, a guy there, which yeah. I, you know, I like that. That's nice. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Um, who is the robot there? They're talking to a droid who, um, kind of, have a long conversation with, and I forget where and when, but I knew the voice and I couldn't pick it out and I had to look it up. Oh. And it's Matt Barry who is in, who does oh, a couple awesome. other voices, but I love Matt Barry. I'm a big, what we do in the shadows fan. Yeah. He's great. I love, love Jack. That. Love Jackie Daytona. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, I was, so the droid in Jabba's palace who's introducing all the people I was wondering, and I didn't check to look at this, but was that the droid that like tortures other droids yeah. in the basement? <laughs> it looks like it. Yeah, that's totally what that looked like. So I thought that was fun as well. Um, another big major kind of set piece that I was curious your thoughts about, um, my friend who texted me had had some thoughts about it as well, is the crazy like four-armed monster thing in the desert. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, I'm, I mean, I've said this a hundred times, but I'm just going to point it out one more time. You know, very wordless scene where they're collecting whatever those orbs full of water are and it's never explained. And I kind of like that, you know, at first I'm just like, what is this thing? Like, why are these things here? Like, do they grow naturally? Are they planted there by someone and you have to harvest them? I, what's, what's the heck's going on here? But in the end, like it doesn't matter. And I think I like that restraint and I wish more stories would do that. We don't need the exposition dump of like farmers put these under here for seven years for blah, blah. It's like, who cares? And so I thought that was handled well as well, too. I wish they would have done that with the Sarlacc pit, which he got out. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But going back to the monster, how did, how did you feel about that monster? It was cool. Um, it was different. Um, I don't, I'm sure it comes from somewhere. I'm sure mm-hmm. it comes from some art book somewhere that was never used, and I don't care about that. But it was a very different Star Wars. It was almost fantasy. It was almost Lord of the Rings-like. Yeah. Um, and I have questions about the monster and was it just <laughs> laying there waiting or did it slither? <laughs> like, yeah, that's what right. like, was it just sleeping and then they scraped its arm? But, um, I thought it was cool. Um, and of course he kills it. Like he, like Leia kills Jabba and, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I had no, no, no nits to pick with that, uh, that scene. Um, yeah. I'm curious to hear if you've heard other, otherwise. I mean, I've just heard from my friend who thought it was cheesy um, and what I will say is that 
I thought it was the right type of cheesy. And I know yeah. I'm not like the arbiter of how this is, but we talked about this with Mandalorian where they, they had the crate dragon, right? Yeah. I kind of hated the crate dragon. They tried to make it this big, scary monster that is just, you know, hyper realistic. It looked cool and all that, but like, actually I'm just so sick of big, yeah, scary, you know, monsters for whatever reason. Like I don't need a tentacle monster in the, in the, Kessel Run. I don't need any of that stuff, right? Yeah. But this felt Star Wars to me. Like it looked like a B movie Flash yeah. Gordon monster. The the eyes, especially, it looked like someone was wearing a weird mask. And that's what Star Wars specifically Tatooine was. You know, the Cantina scene, famously, a lot of those costumes and those aliens that are iconic were just left over from old B movies. They were just in the closet at the studio and they just grabbed it. That's why there's a literal devil in that scene because they're kind of doing a, like it's kind of a Halloween costume and you know, the Gamorreans were another cool thing in this, (laughs) in this episode. And I liked seeing them actually get some action. I know. It's like just some pudgy dudes in green face paint with a, big plastic pig head on like it it doesn't look like fancy movie magic it looks like cheesy costumes and i think that really worked and i like that they leaned into that as opposed to trying to make it another big scary tentacle monster yeah i like that too it reminded me of the uh i can't believe i forgot the ice monster's name on hoth uh Uh, the wampa the wampa it kind of reminded me of a wampa to some degree just Mm, like totally that's a good point big hulking figure and yeah, I, I mean, it. I agree with you. It felt Star Wars, but it felt new. Mm-hmm. And I, I want some new, uh, yeah. especially on Tatooine. Like we're we're this planet. We this is the planet we know everything about. Yeah. Like e- we even saw, you know, at some point, uh, some gangsters, supposedly the mayor's thugs. I don't know, beating up someone on a moisture farm. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. That was yeah. I'm interested to see what the symbol was that they spray painted on there. I thought that like, was, was kind that, of interesting yeah, too. Like, or is that crim- something to do with Crimson Dawn? Yeah, or? I don't know. There were a couple things know. that they laid the the tracks yeah. for too. Is you know the first thing that happens when he gets out of the Sarlacc pit is that Jawas take his his armor too. Yep. So we're gonna find out more about that as well. And so I think that's also good storytelling that I'm looking forward to seeing more about what that is too. Yeah, and we know how he gets it back, right? Yeah. So, and we know he tracks, and so I wonder if we're going to get a lot of episodes like that, uh, of like mm-hmm. this, where it's like filling in the gaps up until Mandalorian. I bet um, you that's the case. Which isn't bad. Yeah. I, I I don't mind that, and um, I'm yeah, I, it's it could be cool. Yeah, the last thought and I might be reading into this. The last thought that I have, at least, is. I noticed a couple times when he's in the back to tank and flashing back to the Tuscan stuff, there's this weird greenish digital filter kind of in my mind representing, you know, his, his memories being hazy. Um, but it almost looks like he's in the matrix. Is there anything else we can read into that? Um, does that mean anything? It it just seemed very not Star Warsy and a different a different choice to the point where I'm I'm wondering if that's something that could be read into or is it just simply like Boba Fett likes green because that's kind of his armor color and and we just wanted to make him seem hazy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. kind of just took it as like a dream filter. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know either. I'm just yeah. just curious about that. No, it's 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 interesting. Um, 
Yeah, there was a couple other things that I uh, we we didn't touch on that I feel like the the very beginning when there's like you know he's going through flashbacks we see Camino that's notable. Yep. Um, yeah. Just because of course that's where him and his father Django lived mm-hmm. and did their clone thing. Um, and then we get a fl- one of the flashbacks of that we get is a scenes from attack of the clones, <laughs> yep. which I mean was where Him Django, holding his head, dead dad's head. Yeah. Which <laughs> is kind of then mirrored later on when is the helmet rolls. They, they, you know, they fill the helmet when they go to the casino or whatever with coins. And then when it's knocked out of his head, the helmet rolls away again. I felt like that was something oh, of a callback. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but those are, those are kind of big deals, um, yeah. that we got, you know, Scenes from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. Um, yeah, and and save save the Twitter corrections. I know that his head fell out, and you can see it in the shadow. I just like in my head canon. I like the idea that his head's still in there, and he's holding his dead dad's head. So, Oops. yeah, um, yeah. I just I'm I'm very intrigued and pleasantly surprised. I think that's how I will say um, I am feeling generally yeah. moving forward. Um, were there any other scenes or Easter eggs that you wanted to call out before we moved on? Uh, no, those are the big ones. Cool. I am excited to keep this going and to explore more of this, which I honestly didn't know if I was ready to say before this series started. So I will say good job on all y'all and I'm looking forward to the next one. Yes. Agreed. Cool. Um, before we go out, we mentioned it, but our friend Michael, who has been a cool contributor and given us given us his thoughts on Instagram and email a couple times, he did send us an email uh, responding to our pre-sode and kind of some of our worries and trepidations. I just want to read that real quick. Cool. He said, um, Thanks for getting out a quick Book of Boba Fett discussion for release day. I, too, am trepidatious about, quote, the plan and glad you put words to the feelings. Ultimately, what I'm concerned about is how our beloved rebels will be handled in live action. And I would just want to clarify, he probably means the Star Wars rebels, not just the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. Am I crazy to dream of an animated season five of Rebels over them being live casted? Maybe I'm just being a protective father of his imaginary family. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts about that, but I think you might be, you might be crazy to dream of that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're crazy, but it's, uh, it doesn't seem realistic. (laughs) Yeah. I'd say I could definitely see a continuation of animated Rebels at some point, especially, you know, if we're looking behind the scenes at franchise management type stuff, I think Lucasfilm is probably hyper-focused on making this successful and the next Mandalorian season successful and trying to stabilize things a bit. They're not really trying to take big risks. You know, Visions was something new that they're doing, but it's not really a risk. Like, if Visions flops, like, who cares? Um, I could see maybe once they get their feet under them, they feel like things are really humming and people, you know, people are feeling good about Star Wars again, then they'll get a little bit more free to go explore some of those things. Like, I don't think it'll be a season five, but you know, some series where we revisit either young the young uh rebels characters or them in the in the future. But to answer your actual question, I think 
the story where we left off on Rebels with Sabine and Ahsoka and the mission they're on, I think that is absolutely going to be reserved for the Mandalorian and for the Ahsoka series. I, I don't think we're going to get that story yeah, uh, in animated so. form, unfortunately. I, I don't think so either. Um, I, I don't even know if Ezra will be, I mean, at some point, maybe. we figure out what happens to Ezra, but it's... Oh, I think we're getting that in Ahsoka, and I think... You think so? Yeah, I think... I mean, I don't know if it's confirmed. Uh, I I think it's... It might be confirmed. I think the actor who's playing Ezra has been been chosen. I think it was... I think we talked about this. I think it was was the guy who played live-action Aladdin, because... Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is so appropriate, right? (laughs) I don't know how to feel about it. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, we know we're getting Thrawn for sure, so I think... I think that's going to probably be season one of Ahsoka yeah. is going to be the continuation of Star Wars Rebels. So I, we will see though. Yeah. To see. To see we will. Yes. We so will Mike, would see. you like to tell people where they can find us on the internet? Yeah. You can find us at rebelsrebelspot at gmail.com. You can shoot. That's where you can email us. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, um, where Peter helms the ship over there and answers questions and chats and interacts and blah, blah, blah. Yep. It's from time to time. I I have an aversion to some of those sites, but I do not have an aversion to talking to fun people about Star Wars. I know. It's, it's almost like I wish we could make a forum of our own, Mm -hmm. but that sounds so 1995. Totally. Uh, yes, but thank you for coming on this. I'm excited to watch more book of Boba Fett. Like I mentioned up top, we had a little bit of a delay with our last Star Trek episode. And Mm, so stay tuned for some sort of conclusion to that. Um, but unfortunately due to circumstances beyond our control, we recorded a really great episode that I am very sad. Uh, part of the audio was lost. And so yeah. yeah stay tuned to something but thank you if you checked out our star trek limited series as well i had a lot of fun talking about that yeah that was great and stay tuned mike do you have a fun sign off for book of boba fett <sighs> nope <laughs> except it's been really hard for me not to say boba fett boba fett where are all nerds everywhere struggling with that yeah i, th- I say that all the time Ooh, baby all right bye bye